there is a gap, a big gap between what it means to believe and what it means to become a follower of Jesus Christ. I mean, this gap is really huge. Over on one side, you have a believer in Christ, and over on the other side, you have someone who is becoming more and more like Christ. For me, on my timeline, it was 1984. I was a young 18-year-old, and I headed off to Taylor University. I had spent my life over here believing in Christ. And sometimes this is really hard. When you grow up in the church, you, you believe in Christ, and you think you always believe in Christ. And, and I was a believer in Christ. But there was nothing on my radar screen of becoming more and more like Jesus Christ. And so I went to Taylor University, and I just had a great experience. Literally, I went there, though, to play basketball. Even though I knew it was a strong Christian university, I went there for the basketball. And I went there because my brother went there, and it was sort of a traditional thing to, to follow my brother and to, to follow him playing basketball. And I knew in my mind, because in my past, up to 1984, I was involved in drinking and partying, and I thought, I, I will just go to this Christian university, and, and I, I will continue over here. I'll be a believer but God wanted to do something else in my life. He wanted me to become more like him. And so when I went to Taylor University, there were, there were three main speakers that really changed my life. One was Jill Briscoe, and she talked about having a relationship with Jesus Christ, which that was foreign to me. Yes, I, I was a believer in Christ, but I didn't know what it meant to have a relationship with Jesus Christ. And two other men really challenged me. One was Gordon McDonald, and he had written a book at that time, Ordering Your Private World. And my private world was chaos, and he taught me what it meant to, to order my private world. Another one was a guy named Bill Hybels, and he came and he spoke about being honest to God. It was very interesting, though, those two men one at the time when he was speaking on ordering your private world was actually going through an affair. The others, one, Bill Hybels, maybe you've seen in the news lately, but he's resigned. In fact, all of his pastoral staff has resigned. And the board of elders, they all resigned because of inappropriate relationships that he has been accused of. And I want to tell you something, if you are a believer in Christ, or if you're not a believer in Christ, don't let people who aren't living it keep you from becoming like Christ, because we're all flawed, and we're all human, and we need to, we need to let people come into our life who can challenge us. But you see, 1984, it wasn't because of Jill and, and Bill Hybels and Gordon McDonald, it was because I got in a group. I didn't know it was a group. We didn't call it a group. But it was a group. The, the main people in that group was one of my friends, Mike Fanning. Another was Monty Harlan, who eventually became my brother-in-law when I married his wife, Michelle. Another one was my roommate and, and good friend, uh, Steve Fortenberry. 
And these men changed my life. We had other people in the group as well, people that came into this group and you may say, well, what did you do in this group? Well, we talked about scripture together. We talked about life together. And believe it or not, I went into that group and, and again, my private world was all messed up. I had issues with my parents. Any 18-year-old have an issue with their parents or any parents have issues with their 18-year-old? I had issues and I went in there and Again, I wasn't living and I wasn't becoming like Christ, but I got in this group. And the core of the group was encouraging one another, praying for one another, instructing one another. We came alongside each other and we challenged and exhorted each other to live a different life and to, to become more like Jesus Christ. Those three other guys are all in ministry right now. And when we got in that group, none of us knew we were going to get into ministry. In fact, I was a business systems major. But it was in that group that as I was a business systems major, I started to learn, you know, God wanted to do something in my life. But we were real with each other and we were honest with each other and we were authentic. I'll never forget, it was somewhere probably more like 1985 and I was still in this group and I just, I was in bed, and it was like 2 o'clock in the morning, and I was just crying my eyes out and tears, and I, I was just really hurting because I was like, and sorry if some of you are into business and math and all the numbers and all those sort of things, but I'm just like, I don't want to do this with my life. I, I, I want to be serious about my relationship with Jesus Christ. I want to help others know God's word, because why? Because I had been a believer my whole life, and I wasn't a becomer like Christ and so I was crying and, and, and mixed in there was just these weird feelings that I had towards my parents and you know sometimes I don't know if you've ever been this way you you know I was wondering are my parents really even my parents or did they get me from somewhere else or you know I just had all these weird thoughts do my parents even love me do, do, do they even care about me and you know what? It was these guys that came alongside of me and they, they encouraged me and they listened to me and they challenged me and they motivated me that God was doing something in my life and, and I needed to, to listen to what he was trying to say through his spirit. But we looked at the scripture and we studied it together and we learned together and we prayed together and we became more and more like Jesus Christ. I want to share with you as we not only start uh, talking about groups, but as we head into the fall, because we want to be different people as we, we start a new season. We started a new school season last week, but we want to start a new season in life. And I love fall because it, it brings about change. It brings about things that we need to do in order to become like Christ. And here's a principle that is a life principle, and I've shared it before. But following Christ will make you better at life, and it will make your life better. I think I first heard this from Andy Stanley, and ever since I've heard this, I'm like, yes, that is a life principle. That if we follow Jesus Christ, if, we, if we're intentional about becoming like Jesus, it's going to make our life better, and it's going to make us better at life. It's going to make me a better husband, it's going to make you a better husband. If you're a husband, it's going to make you a better wife, it's going to make you a better parent, it's going to make you a better teenager, it's going to make you a better student, it's going to make you a better employee, it's going to make you a better 
employer. It's going to make you better at life. When you follow Christ and you're intentional on becoming more and more like him. But like I said, there's a huge gap. And that's why Jesus Christ, when he came, he just didn't say, believe in me. He also said, follow me. Turn your eyes and focus your attention on me and change and be transformed. And he wanted us to look like him. And that's why we're called his disciples or his followers because we follow his example and his lead. All of us are at different stages. And you need to know what stage you're at. And as we talk about how we grow, I just wanted to put these stages out there so that we can see them. You're at one of these stages. There's the natural unbeliever, there's the carnal believer, and then there is the mature or the spiritual believer in Christ Jesus. You're sitting in one of these situations today. One of these descriptions describes who you are. The natural man or the natural woman is someone who has not yet believed in Jesus Christ. They still haven't been converted or changed or transformed. They're still wondering, should I believe in Jesus Christ and what difference does it make and is he truly the son of God? And they're still wondering, did did he really die for my sins and is there forgiveness of sins? Is he the only way and the truth and the life? And you're still over here and you're very confused. But then there's some of us who are believers in Christ and then we fall into two categories according to the Bible. We're either carnal or we're spiritual. The word carnal means we're living according to the flesh. We're doing what we want to do rather than what God wants us to do. We're doing our desires rather than the Spirit's desires. And again, 1984 was crucial for me because really, in all reality, I was in a group before 1984. The names were different though. It was Jeff, and it was Brian, and it was Randy, and it was Steve, and it was Neil, and it was Craig. But we didn't call ourselves a group. We were were sort of like a gang. We were homies. We were a band of brothers. But the truth of the matter is, we were carnal. Now, before you start judging us and judging me, let me tell you, we all went to church together. We went to the same church, St. Peter's Lutheran Church. We, we all went to the same high school together, Concordia Lutheran High School. And we, most of us went to the same grade school together, St. Peter's Lutheran Grade School. All of us would have said, yes, we were, we were believers. We would describe ourselves as Christians. Obviously, we, we, we had Bible class every day. It was in our curriculum, just like it's in our curriculum here at the school. But we were carnal. We were worldly. All, all we cared about were, were girls and cars and sports and a lot of drinking. And what you need to understand is if you want to move from the stage of just being a believer in Christ and becoming like Christ, you need to understand who you're hanging with. 
And I believe for us to become like Christ, we need to change our focus and we need to get in intentional groups. And just because you're hanging with Christians doesn't mean that you're spiritual. You can be, you can be hanging with Christians and just still be carnal. I want you to, to see it in a different light here. Notice these three stages of growth. There is the natural, there's the carnal, and the spiritual. And if you just focus in on the carnal, it's a believer, but there's limited growth. It's hard to see. And the Bible describes you as being immature. We're going to be in Hebrews 10. And Hebrews 5 talks about the immature believer rather than the mature believer. But the spiritual believer is growing. There's fruit. There's evidence that Christ is alive. And they're mature, they're perfect, they're, they're, they're complete, they're growing in, in how they view life and their relationship with Christ. I don't know where, where you're sitting today, but I know when it's all said and done, what's going to be important is that you find yourself not in the carnal stage, but the spiritual stage. Yes, if you're in the carnal stage, you're going to go to heaven, but... It's not just about going to heaven, it's about becoming like Christ. That's why God saved you. He wants to change you and he wants to transform you. And I have to say, being in these different stages and and being in ministry, it is hard to tell the natural person from the carnal person. To know whether they do have a relationship with Jesus Christ, if they truly are believers. And my calling in life has been to help people who are carnal believers to become spiritual believers. To to, to work with churches that are carnal and get them on the spiritual side. Because when it's all said, it's not about being immature, it's about being mature. It's about growing and developing. And so hopefully by now you're asking the question, I want to grow. How do I grow? What does it look like to grow? And I want you to turn in your Bibles to Hebrews chapter 10. Hebrews chapter 10, and we're going to look at how circles win and what it means to grow. Hebrews chapter 10, we don't know who the author of Hebrews was, but Hebrews was written to Jewish believers. And it contains uh, five warning passages. Warning people not to turn back on their faith, or, or literally not to stay carnal, but trying to, to, to warn them that you better move on into to becoming spiritual. You better be growing in your faith. You better be developing your faith. Otherwise, the temptation is going to be to fall away from your faith, to not have a faith at all, to sort of be dead, to, to, to be fruitless, and none of us wants to be there. So in Hebrews chapter 10, Verse 19, here's what the writer says. He says, therefore. And I think when Chad was talking and and Aaron were talking, they were saying, whenever you see the therefore, you need to look back. Well, look at 1018. It says, where there is forgiveness of these, there is no longer any offering of sin. What's he talking about? He's talking about in Jesus Christ, he is the better sacrifice. What separates Christianity from from all other religions is the forgiveness of sins in Christ alone, by faith alone, by grace alone. 
him going to the cross and being the perfect sacrifice. And when, when we, we become a believer, guess what? We also become a saint. We become holy. We become set apart. We, we have a purpose now to, to become like Christ and to grow. So he says in verse 9, therefore, he's talking to believers. He says, brothers and sisters, since we have this confidence to, to enter the holy places by the blood of Jesus, by the new and living way that he opened for us through the curtain that is through his flesh, and since we have a great priest over the house of God. Now, if you read that, you're like, I don't understand anything he's saying. One, that may indicate you need to become more like Christ and you need to be maturing in your faith, but you need to understand that he was writing to Jewish believers. They understood exactly what he was saying. They understood that Jesus Christ is the new and better way. Jesus Christ is the answer to the forgiveness of sins. Sometimes, and, and I don't want it for myself, but I want it for, for us as believers, sometimes I wish the sacrificial system was back in place. And what it meant to bring sacrifices and, and the bloodiness and, and the reminder of how sin brings havoc into our lives and destroys our lives. But because of Christ, he's saying there's a new and better way. Our relationship with, with God has been set free and now we have an open relationship and open access to him and we can confidently grow in our relationship with God. And after he shares this wonderful truth, he gives us three commands. And I just want us to understand what these three commands are. Notice verse 22. He says, let us draw near. Now again, if you're an underliner, if you're a circler, if you're a highlighter, you need to double underline this. So let us draw near. I, in my Bible, I circle us because he's moving away from an individual relationship with God to a public relationship with God or a corporate relationship with God. He's talking about us doing something together because we're better together in our relationship with God. He says, let us draw near with a true heart in full assurance of faith, with our hearts sprinkled clean from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. Here's why circles win. Here's the truth we need to understand. When we pursue God together with a truthful and an honest and genuine heart. You see, we grow in our faith when we are honestly and authentically pursuing God with a true and honest heart. It's been interesting. I... I sort of gotten a little hooked on this one show, and it's probably, I'm not even going to mention this show because I don't want anybody to be watching this show a little bit, and I just want you to know I still have a little carnalness in me. Um, but this show is based upon a lie. And what happens is when this show continues episode after episode, it is them trying to lie to keep up with the lie, to keep up with the lie, to keep up with the lie. And it's about supporting the lie or 
being a fraud, not being honest, not being real. And what this writer is saying is, since you have confidence that your sins are forgiven, as a believer, your sins are forgiven and you have access to God, isn't it time to get truthful and honest about what's going on in your life? To get honest and truthful about your past? To get honest and truthful about your present? To get honest and truthful about what direction you're heading? He's saying here that that we draw near to God, we get close to God, we, we, we become honest with God. He says we do this with a true heart in full assurance of faith. You see, I believe one of the reasons we never come clean, we never go totally honest with one another, we don't have assurance that God accepts us because of our past. We don't know if the people are going to accept us because of our past or our present situation or our present sin. And what this writer is saying, if you're letting sin and if you're letting a lie enter into the relationships in the body of Christ, there's not going to be any growth, there's not going to be any development, there's not going to be any spirituality, there's not going to be any maturity. I started counting up the number of groups that I've been in since 1984, and I think I've been in probably close to 25 groups, if not more. And if I just say that I've had 10 people in their groups, uh, you know, I've been exposed probably to about 250 people, and to be honest, I can't even remember everybody's name that has been in some of these groups. But I know one of my frustrations is sitting in a group knowing that someone's not being honest. Knowing that I'm not even being honest sometimes. Not being real, not talking about what's going on. And so what ends up happening, you're in this group, nobody's being honest with one another, and they're not being honest about Scripture and what Scripture is saying to do. And so we walk away, and there's no growth, there's no fruitfulness, there's no change. You see, we already struggle with telling ourselves lies repeating what some call a false narrative. We, we, we try to com communicate in our mind that this is the story when it really isn't the story, or I'm going to be all right even though I know I'm not going to be all right. That, that I'm not hurting even though I am hurting. When somebody asks us in the group, how are we doing, and, and we're really broken, and we've had a bad day, oh, I'm fine. You see, I think one of the things that the writer has in mind is similar to Jesus' best friend, John. John said in 1 John, if we want to have fellowship, if we want to have intimacy, if we want to have a relationship with God, then we need to confess our sins. The word confess literally means to, to agree with God, to be honest with God, to, to say the same thing about what's going on in our lives. And if we do confess that sin, he is faithful, just like this text is saying, he is faithful and just, and he will forgive us of our sins, and we will enter into a relationship with him. And what this passage is saying is, as you're in a group and you're in relationships in the body of Christ, it says, join hands together and let us be honest, let us be truthful, let us be genuine. 
If you can't talk about your problems, your hurts, your pain, your sin in a group, where are you going to talk about it? My desire is for us to have groups that are safe and that are vulnerable so that we can pursue God together. Why? Because it's not about being a believer. It's about moving over and becoming just like Jesus. Here's the second truth you you need to know. Circles win. When we trust God together, especially in the tough times of life. Notice what he says in verse 23. Again, I underline this in my Bible. I encourage you to do it. Highlight it. He says, let us hold fast. And let us have a firm grip. He says, to the confession of our hope, without wavering, without holding back, without doubts, without being soft. He says, for he who promised is faithful. One of the shows that we like to watch as a family is America Ninja Warrior. Any American Ninja Warrior fans out there? Okay, I see a few. The rest of you, you've got to watch it, and you'll be hooked every time if you watch it. But in order to be a ninja, basically what I've discovered after watching season after season of this show, you need to be a rock climber or a gymnast. You can't be a fat, out-of-shape basketball player like myself. Why? Because you have to be able to hold on to something sometimes that that is like a doorknob, and you have to hold your weight, and you need to be able to go across 15 feet or 20 feet or whatever, or you need to be able to swing and jump and land and hold on. You need to be able to have a firm grip. You need to be able to hold on. What I think the writer of Hebrews is saying is, again, we do this together. We trust God together. And if I was looking for a group to be in, I would want somebody in my group who is a rock climber, who is a gymnast. You may say, Mark, what are you talking about? A rock climber and a gymnast. I'm talking about someone in the Christian faith who has gone up the mountain who's gone through difficulties and troubles and hardships and is still standing and they're strong and they're they're still trusting God no matter what. One of the things that I've been through in my life uh, with Michelle is we've been through a lot of pain. I, I, I would want somebody in our group like us Spiritual ninja warriors. You know, when we were singing that song, King of Glory, and I, my mind just went back to Christmas time and Michelle losing her mom and me losing my mother in law. And that song was special because it was part of the, the wedding celebration where Michelle's mom wasn't there and it sort of became the theme song for the weekend that, that God is good and he's not going to let you down even though you're going through tough times. And I've shared some of my tough times with some of you all, but we've been through it and we've been, we've been to hell and back. 
If you come into our house, we, we got a new thing that says Gagline Family Established 1988, and on it we have Romans 12, 12. Rejoice in hope, be patient in affliction, and persevere in prayer. That is our theme because we've had to learn to be spiritual ninjas because life is difficult. And you need people in your life that, that you can trust God together with. That can share the promises of Scripture, the, the wins. That can share the hope and the perseverance and, and going through difficulty and, and how this verse meant something to me. And there's many verses out there that have encouraged Michelle and I, and there's verses out there that have encouraged some of you who are spiritual ninjas, and you need those people in your life. How else are you going to hold on? You can't be like me as a, a spiritual, overweight basketball player trying to hold on. And some of you haven't exercised your faith. You, you've come here and you sat here and you've listened and, and you studied scriptures, but you're not doing anything. You're not exercising. And I want people in my group and you want people in your group who are exercising, who are putting their faith into practice. Because circles win when we trust God together, even in the tough times. Here's the last principle, and it's pretty powerful. It's found in verse 24, verse 24. Notice what it says. It says, and let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works or good deeds, not neglecting to meet together as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another, and all the more as you see the day drawing near. You see, circles win when we, we grow together. When we come alongside and we grow together and we become more and more like Jesus Christ. You see, it's not about just our individual relationship with Jesus Christ. It's about the body of Christ. Even in this whole passage, he's talking about we're part of the household of God. We're part of the family of God. We're part of the body of Christ. You can't go solo. You can't go rogue. You can't go on your own. You need one another. You need that encouragement. You see, all of us need encouragement whether we realize it or not. All of us need encouragement, even if, if times are great or if times are bad. We need encouragement. We need one another to encourage us. Why? Because life is hard and messy and confusing and difficult, and the world is coming at us at a high pace. Notice what this writer says. He says, let us consider. And this writer, it's interesting, he, he uses five different types of, of Greek words for the word consider. This one is a word that sort of means to think, to, to put your attention on, to fixate your eyes on, to, to focus on. And so what it's saying is when you gather together, and I don't believe it's talking about this corporate worship, but it can be applied here. I think it's when the body of Christ, when you're getting together in your circles, when you're getting together with one another, 
you go with the attention and the focus on the other person in the group. I, I don't know how many times I've heard people, you know, I, I can't go today because my, my life is too busy or I had a bad day or th th there's just too much stuff going on, so I'm not going to go to group. Stop back, step back, and, and think about it for a second. You may be God's instrument that day to encourage someone, to spur someone on. You see, you go to group, not just so you can grow, you go to group so that others can grow, to spur one another on to love and good deeds. You see, because the majority of us are still over here as a believer, we're, we're like what one writer says, we, we're, we're sort of part-time good deeds people. We just do a good deed here or there, and then we sort of pat ourselves on the back. The, the Bible and Christianity knows nothing of that. We as Christians and Christ followers, we need to be good do, doers all the time. We need to be constantly doing good deeds. We need to be loving one another. That, that is the hallmark. That is the, the way we should be living our lives. It's interesting, he says, you need to be thinking about how to stir up one another. Literally, it's, you need to go to group thinking about how you irritate one another. The word is to sharp, to, to like stick a knife in someone. And again, it's used of, it was used of Paul and Barnabas over Mark. They had a sharp disagreement about Mark, about John Mark. So sometimes it's a negative word, but it's also a positive word. We, we, we need to, to sharpen each other. We need to irritate one another. We go to group so that we can do what God has called us to do in becoming like Christ. So that we can love one another and do good deeds. But there is a problem. It's a habit that is affecting the church today. It's a habit that is affecting small groups today. It's a habit that is causing us to remain believers and not become like Jesus Christ. It's a habit of neglecting the body of Christ. You see, it's more than just not going to church. It's more than just not going to your group. It's about neglecting the body of Christ. And what this writer is saying, if you make it a habit to neglect church, if you make it a habit to neglect being in a small group, if you have determined that, that my busyness and my overwhelmness and all the things that are happening in life are, are more important than being in a group, the writer says you, you are on a slippery slope. You're one step away from spiritual defection. And the church in America today is missing this. Last week, uh, Chad talked about being uncommon. You see, the common thing is to skip out on church. The common thing is to start going to church after summer is over. The common thing is to not be in a group. The common thing is to, to stay a believer and not to become like Christ. And what the writer is saying, do you understand what you're doing? You're missing out of an, on encouragement. And why do we need encouragement? Because guess what? Jesus Christ is coming back. 
At Jesus Christ, we're all going to stand before him, not to determine heaven and hell as believers, but we're going to stand before our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, the King of Kings, and we're going to say, yes, I stayed a believer. And again, that line is close between carnal and natural, and you don't want to hear him say, depart from me, I, I, I don't know you. Or you don't want to have happen if you are a believer. You don't want to have what Paul says, everything's going to be burned up. And you're going to enter into to heaven basically naked. With, with no fruit, no maturity, no growth. Nothing to show for your faith. He says, this day is coming. I, I don't watch the news anymore because I know this day is coming. It's here, it's at the door. We need to be ready and prepared for it. Notice what verse 26 says, if you don't understand the seriousness of it. He says, for if we go on sinning deliberately after receiving knowledge of the truth, there no longer remains a sacrifice for sins. Now again, I don't think he's talking about losing your salvation. There's more here, but he's saying in verse 27, he says, but a fearful expectation of judgment and a fury of fire that will consume the adversaries. Anyone who has set aside the law of Moses dies without mercy on the evidence of two or three witnesses. How much worse punishment do you think will be deserved by the one who has spurned the Son of God and has profaned the blood of the covenant by which he was sanctified and outraged the Spirit of grace? He's talking to believers here. Only believers are sanctified. Only believers have the Spirit of grace. He says in verse 30, For we know... Him who said, vengeance is mine, I will repay. And again, the Lord will judge his people. It is a fearful thing to fall into the hands of the living God. And let your eyes see verse 35. He says, therefore, do not throw away your confidence. Don't throw away your assurance. Don't throw away your relationship with God. Just because... It's too hard to get together. It's too hard to come to church. It's too hard to be in relationship with other Christians. Here's what I want you to know. Circles lose. We as a church lose. You lose. We lose when we put sin and self before the body of Christ. This passage isn't talking about the system and structure of groups. It's not talking about the, the institution of the church. It's talking about the body of Christ and the relationships we have and the opportunity we have to become more and more like Jesus Christ. But when our selfishness and our sin gets in a way, we lose. And my prayer for myself, for you, for my family, is for everyone to be in a group that they can be honest and authentic, talk about Scripture, be challenged, be encouraged, and move forward in becoming more and more like Jesus Christ. So here's the main idea, and if you've been sleeping, wake up. Circles win when we win. 
And those around us win as well. You see, you're in a small group so that you can experience spiritual maturity and victory in Christ. That's why, that's why you go to a group. But you also go so that they can grow. You don't go because, oh, we have fun and we just like the food and the dessert. And, oh, I know that person. I like talking about the chiefs with them. And That's not why you do group. You do group so that you can win spiritually and others can win spiritually as well if you're saying mark i get it i'm close but if you would have been in that group that i was in you would never be in a group again and i just want to say that's about the stupidest thing i've ever heard but i'm not going to say that um, i'm just going to let you know that i thought that all of us have gone through an educational system. We've had bad teachers, we've had bad classes, and if our kid who's in high school says, well, I'm quitting school because I, I don't like my teacher. Dad, if you knew this teacher and what, how horrible they were, you would quit school too. You don't go through college and halfway through, it's like, oh, I don't like that professor. That, that class was so bad. Who needs biology anyways? I'm not even going to be a doctor, you know? You, you don't quit because it's about learning and growing and developing. Keep on fighting for it because you need it to grow and develop in your relationship with Jesus Christ. 